It's Cofield and Company. 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 Who put y'all in charge of snack distribution? With Steve Cofield. Then I seen him. I seen Steve. And Adam Hill. Adam Hill is usually so fair, so reasonable. Uh, that's shocking to hear something like that from Adam Hill. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Yeah, all right, here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. Final hour of the week. Busy weekend coming up. If you didn't know about it, you do now when I tell you UNLV Spring Showcase inside Allegiant. So if you haven't been in Allegiant, there's a way to get in for free. It's free entry. It's free parking. Concessions will be sold. About 90 minutes of scrimmage, some you know in-game action. You're going to see everything. You know, Freaking punters, the special teams. Uh, it's a deep dive into UNLV football. So 5 o'clock, doors open at 4 UNLV football spring showcase goes down tomorrow at Allegiant. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Adam Hill is the company as we're hanging out in the Finley Toyota studios. You know, I saw that whole rant about or from Dickie V about NIL and how out of control things are and the selfishness and the lack of loyalty and all this. Why didn't he mention the great story of Fresno State female basketball players having a light shined upon them, which they brought mostly on their own to the tune of a million dollars plus? That's a great freaking story. Talk about way to to teach a lesson. Take advantage of opportunities. Be self-sufficient. If no one's helping you, you go do it on your own. Female athletes making that kind of money. That is great. The Cavender twins, I guess Dickie V, if he knew about it, would flip out and go, where's the loyalty? Believe me, they gave Fresno State a lot of attention. They're moving on. They went into the transfer portal. They have now landed at Miami, and I put the cart way before the horse. Do you want to explain more about the Cavender twins and who they are and the kind of success they've had? Yeah, but I mean, I'm, first of all, to your point, I think this is exactly what Dickie V was talking about in the negative light. I disagree with him. I think I think this is what should happen in college sports, but uh, this is exactly what he was talking about. The Cavender Twins were, you know, very good players at Fresno State before they ever got really attention. They actually took advantage of the pandemic when they weren't allowed to do much. They decided to start a TikTok account together and make a ton of videos, and they absolutely blew up during the time of COVID and, you know, people were stuck in the house. They were looking for content and they did a great job making content, included their families in it. It was, it was fun. And then as soon as the, you know, everything starts to clear up NIL gets announced and they were the poster children of the NIL because they were in New York. They signed sponsorship deals at one, you know, 12.01 AM the first day that NIL was allowed they got, you know, Boost Mobile, a ton of other major national companies, as you said, made over a million dollars each this year um, from, from you know, name image deals. And at the end of the year with Fresno State, and again, both very, very good players, um, Haley better than Hannah, but both very good, 
I think they looked around and said, hey, look, we're doing a really good job making money at Fresno State, but how much money can we make in a major market? And we can go and do, you know, swimsuit TikToks on South Beach and get even more followers and live the life in Miami and, you know, brand ambassadors of all the different clubs and everything that's going on down there. Like their their NIL deals are going to explode because they are going to a major market where they can take advantage of that. And Miami University is the beneficiaries. They will probably do much better in attendance. I saw the story on that today about, you know, they think they were 13th out of 15 in attendance in the ACC, even though they went to the ACC championship game. Um, so beneficial for the program in terms of marketing, beneficial for them in terms of their following and the amount of deals that they can do. And this is what NIL can do for athletes. Now, the Dickie V angle, I think, would be this is exactly what I'm talking about that's wrong with it. That kids are going to go not where where it's best for them basketball wise, but where it's best for them marketing wise. But that's not a problem. Like that, that's what isn't that what schools have done? Tried to exploit whatever kids they can, they possibly can in terms of making money off of them. So why wouldn't the athletes then be able to do that themselves? So uh, I, I think it's a good story all around. I'm sure traditionalists will think this is a terrible story and an awful story and a cautionary story. I think it's good. Number four. So I don't get the transfer from the standpoint that, what, Miami's not good? Isn't Miami as good or a better program than Fresno? Fresno didn't make the NCAA tournament. Sure. I, I, I mean, I think, yeah, that it makes sense. But Miami made the NCAA tournament. They've up, they've upgraded. They're gonna, they have a better marketing opportunity, and they get to play a better brand of basketball and actually get showcased instead of being buried in front of hundreds in Fresno. Right, but I, there's probably other places they could have gone even to, to be in an even better basketball situation. They chose... A- which they should. I'm, I'm not faulting them. The, Mar- Miami is where they will be able to market themselves the best. I mean, it was, I, I think I heard a lot of people say probably USC, UCLA, because they can go to LA. But I think Miami actually makes more sense for them from a marketing perspective with, like, wh- you know, where do young people go? Where do people go party? Where are they going to be able to make their, you know, their videos and their TikToks and, you know, go represent companies at clubs? Like, that's what they're going to do in Miami. It, it, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it makes sense from a basketball perspective to some degree. But like they chose a marketing, a marketing decision, which they should do. This is not a negative thing. I think it's a positive thing. Number four. You watched USFL last week. I did. And the story that got the most attention was some weird thing with a player being cut, and Kirby Wilson, who was a Raiders coach at one point, now with Pittsburgh and Chicken Salad. What yeah. the frig is going on? So I think the reason this picked up a lot of steam with a lot of people was that it was it's one of the things you have to see the video or you have to read the story if you look at the headline which is you know a lot of places wrote the headline Pittsburgh cuts player for eating pizza instead of chicken salad which is really not what happened so Kirby Wilson has a a handbook for all the players and one of them is when you're on this team you respect everyone from teammates to coaches to Flight attendants, to hotel workers, to anybody we encounter when we're on it when we're with the team, like you have to treat everyone with the most respect. Supposedly, what happened in this situation, and, and if you watch, there is a documentary behind the scenes of the USFL, is that the the team served chicken salad. I would love to know if it's like the you know mayonnaise based type chicken salad or like a you know a chicken salad of like you know <laughs> lettuce with the chicken breast sliced on it. I'm not sure which one it was. Uh, but that's what they were. Somebody else in the area where they were, which I believe is a hotel, brought a pizza. 
And I think it was either support staff or somebody just from the hotel, whatever it was. And apparently he went up and he's like, yo, I'd rather have a piece of pizza. Can I get a piece? And apparently he was rude in how he addressed them. And they said, no, the pizza's not for the players. The pizza's for us. Is that going to be a problem? He says all he said is, yes, it's a problem, and walked away. Apparently the complaint was that it wasn't just, yes, it's a problem. It was an over-the-top, you know, not altercation, but a, you know, a very disrespectful showing of give me that pizza. And Kirby Wilson decided that he was going to release who was going to be a starting running back for this incident. It wasn't because he was choosing to eat unhealthy, like the like many of the headlines suggested. It was being disrespectful to whoever this incident happened with. And, you know, he said there's no there's no debating this. Now, if you watch the the sit-down that Kirby had, it's a very hard knocks-like when we see guys get cut. But if you watch, he says to the kid, look, there's no discussion. This is over. We've already cut you. And the kid was like, I wasn't disrespectful. I just said it's going to be a problem that I don't get pizza. And he's like, no, <laughs> like I, that's not what I heard. And you're done. You're gone. And so there was a lot of people that said, how come he doesn't even get to explain himself? Well, I think the, the point was Kirby Wilson was sending the message, my rules matter. And when I say you're respectful to everyone, whether they're a coach or a GM or somebody at the hotel, that's going to stand. So, I, I mean, there, there was this was one of those things that I think really caught fire and not everybody paid very, very close attention to exactly what went down. But even even on the when you watch it, the kid is he is being like not remorseful, but he's he's like, man, I, I don't I don't I don't think that what hap- what you think happened happened. Like I just wanted pizza. I, I didn't know it was going to be this much of a problem. But I'd love these behind the scenes things. Obviously, we know from Hard Knocks, we love watching this stuff. This is, I think, one of the best parts of of the USFL right now because the the play is, is struggling a little bit. Um, but I, I heard the suggestion. It's not my suggestion. Somebody else is that they should just make the reality show the league. Right. <laughs> like let's just watch the reality show. We don't Splice need the, in yeah. snippets of the games. <laughs> right. We don't need the games um, because the reality show is good. It's very good. Number three. VGK Fan Appreciation Day weekend. What was going on with their gas giveaway? Free gas, Steve. You didn't go wait in line? I did not. I it was, not. Uh, I believe, the first 50 cars. Might have it been looked like a lot more than 50 in well, line. Well, they started. it was started at 8 a.m., and they started lining up at 1.30. So 1.30 in the morning? Yeah, I think it's over by my house. Too. 8, it's not far. 8 a.m. Where is it? Uh, I believe this is the one on uh, East Lake Mead over Major's facility, I believe. Oh wow! The new uh, the new Smith's Marketplace over there. Okay. Um, Eight a.m. Line up at one thirty. Six and a half hours. Wesley. Six and a half hours for. By the way, I wonder if did they have a cap on the gas? Like if you came up with some monster truck that had good point, you know, one hundred twenty dollar fill up, did they honor it? (laughs) Fair point. Would you wait in line? No. Especially not for that long. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not worth it. I already went line at the, bucks of gas. at the uh, big box. Is that what it's called? Big box stores with the membership stores. I won't wait in line, line there either. Well, it's, I mean, three or four cars. It's not like you're waiting in line for hours. Really? Yeah. Not the one I go to. Well, if, you go, if, you, if you go at 850. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you go right before they close at 850. Yeah. Well, that's a good idea because every, t- every the last couple of times I went there, it was like freaking <laughs> literally there last night. Two lines of 50. Literally there last night. I went at 850. Only one car. Look at you. Yeah. Nice job. Thrifty. Oh, yeah. 
What uh, what does it cost to fill your uh, jalopy? The, today was it was only like sixty two. Only. Yeah. How small is the tank? Well, fifteen, I guess, gallons. Yeah, I was not. I was not happy. I haven't really complained about it uh, because remember when we used to do uh, Stephen the Sports Big and you know you were Mister X and Wise Guys and all that. Um, I was screaming in two thousand five about I think two sixty a gallon. So. I've been there. I've done that. I've seen this. It does suck. Last time I filled up, it was 88. And again, I don't drive a big car. So, so but but I do I do get the desire to get a free tank of gas. But sure. man, and maybe it was only one car that was there at 1 30 in the morning. But Possibly. waiting hours to get a free tank of gas seems kind of crazy to me. Yeah. But you know what? Nice job by VGK. Yeah, very cool. I mean, they know, you know what where, people want right now. You know now. where people's yes. bread is buttered right yeah, now. Exactly. The gas tank. They really should have had Robin Leonard out there pumping the gas. Might want to have Pete DeBoer out there. <laughs> True. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that. Well, I was going to say I'm not that sure or not sure that many people are mad at Leonard, but you're, you're right. Both of them. It's been all year. They're, they're both out there pumping gas. It's early in the year when he was among the top three goaltenders in the league. He was still the most hated man on the team. So not much has changed. Number two. Dallas loses. Knights are back in, baby. But at least they control their own destiny. That's the most important part, right? Sure. Uh, so what I, has to happen? They have to win out. Okay. If they win their final four games and the Dallas game is in regulation, that's a key part, they're in. Don't need help from anybody else. I think that was a big part of after they lost to the Devils, they were saying, hey, we know we need to count on other people now. We don't, you know, we we can't just win the rest of our games and be in. We need help. They got the help already. It's already done. So now they are in control of their own destiny. They have to win, win their final four. Now, what are the odds of that? Not necessarily great. I mean, you know, they have a fairly favorable schedule. But even in even if you play the four worst teams in the league, you still have to win the game. So um, that's not the case. They do have a really tough game against St. Louis, although I'd, I'd imagine St. Louis doesn't play everyone in that spot. Um, they do have a road game against Chicago. Uh, they have the game, of course, against the Sharks coming up on Sunday at home. And then the big one against Dallas, which could determine just about everything for the season. Dallas will obviously be fired up for that game. They'll need to try to make their way into the playoffs. Um, It's possible they can get in even if they don't win all four games, but the road becomes much more difficult because Dallas, in addition to the game against the Golden Knights, have three what look like on paper very, very easy games. Knights, San Jose, guess at a number. Are we talking 270 on Sunday? I would think even higher. Okay, because I want my money back. You weren't here on Monday. Where were you? I don't know who was in. Who was in on Monday? Was it Willie? Willie was in. Willie was in, and Von Tobel comes on, and he mentions a note about NHL favorites like the previous three days where yeah. it was kicking ass. It didn't matter how high the number was. And I'm like, all right, nice 350, Hurricanes 410, two-team parlay, minus 167, I'm in. Okay, Devils and the Knights blow the whole thing up. Where am I going here? Am I betting the Sharks or am I betting the guaranteed money with the Knights on Sunday? Well, you're going to have to lay a lot to bet the Knights. Yes. I want my money back. Okay. Where am I going? Now, remember, the rest of the week after I lost my two-team parlay, which I never play parlays ever, I blame JVT for the next three days. So, tread lightly here. Bet the this, is, this is my money. Bet the Knights. Okay, I'm in. That's all I need. That's how easy Good. I am. Easy. Simple. Uh, Sharks have lost 11 straight regular season contests against the Knights. 12. It's 12? 
Oh, you're saying? Oh, look at that. How strong that was. Wow. Uh, By the way, the Devils lost. It was devastating. Well, yeah. It was devastating to me that VGK lost to the Devils. Was, as some people wrote, was that the worst loss in franchise history? I think it was, yeah. Really? Yeah. You're with Shane? Your guy Shane at the paper? Well, I mean, it all depends how you define it. Yeah. But they were in a position. Like, think about if they had won that game against one of the worst teams in the league. They would now be sitting in a much, much more favorable position to potentially make it. And, and look at right now, they're trying to catch Dallas. They really want to catch Nashville. Nashville's four points up on them. Nashville's schedule is brutal down the stretch. So it would have been much more possible to catch them because if you do catch them, the reason that's beneficial is that would avoid right now. If they do somehow find a way to beat Dallas and get into the playoffs, they play Colorado. If they could catch Nashville, they wouldn't have to play Colorado in the first round. And if they had beaten De- the Devils, they would be in position to potentially do that. It was it was a terrible, terrible loss in a terrible position in a game that they absolutely had to win. Um, everything about it was awful. And, yeah, I would say it was, to this point in their franchise, the worst loss that they've had. Number one. TSN earlier today, Robin Leonard, surgery done for the year. Click on the story. DeBoer pushes back on Leonard surgery report. Okay, so things change. <laughs> Uh, there was a report from ESPN hours ago. Emily Kaplan, very good on this stuff, said Robin Leonard, season-ending surgery, suffered a major injury to his knee back on March 8th. Tried, but his body just can't hold up. Uh, Pete DeBoer responded within, whatever, an hour and said, uh, not that I'm aware of. Well, I expect him to be ready to go tomorrow for practice. It's... Be available on Sunday. All right, what the hell is happening here? Is Robin Leonard out for the season or not? We've gotten, we, I mean, we've gone round and round on this thing, you know, with Leonard getting all mad at a reporter. Leonard going up to the press box. He was up there, right? Yeah. Whatever, whatever day that was, and and trying to like tear into some media people up there here in Vegas, like for this Frank Savarelli's report. Like we, you know, and everyone there's like we didn't report it. So what is happening? This injury drama. I mean, we're going on months. Well, it's it's. There's a lot of moving pieces here. Could it could it be possible that he's hurt and the team was hiding it? Absolutely. I mean, look, he's he's looked hurt when he's played. If you watch the games, he looks like he's trying to battle through an injury. He looks like he's trying to give everything he has despite not being able to move on his knee. That's how it looks watching the game. And so that would make a lot of sense. Um, the team, and we'll just say Pete DeBorn has been pretty clear, and he decided to throw it out there because I'll say this. In the first period the other day, he looked like he was laboring on the, on, on his knee. We were sitting up there saying, wow, he looks hurt. Then they pull him after the first period, and we're like, clearly, it's injury. They they decided he he's not healthy, or he said, hey, I can't play anymore on this knee, or whatever happened. He left the game due to injury in a 1-1 game. That's what happened. And Peter Boer after the game was like, no, I took him out, and he's healthy. Which why would you even say why would you say that unless you're trying to make somebody your scapegoat? That makes some sense. Hey, look, he's healthy, he's fine. Not my fault. He's okay. Like that makes some sense too. Like a lot of things make sense here, and there's a lot of different messaging coming out from different directions. But I think pretty clearly, Robin Leonard, who was sensational early in the season and helped put them in a position where, despite all these injuries, they have a chance to potentially make the playoffs, has not been that same player. The second half of the year when he got hurt and then tried to come back, 
There seems to be something wrong with him. It would make a lot of sense if he's had a knee injury that he's trying to battle through. That seems like the most logical explanation to all of this. And so that's the one I would tend to believe at this point. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Back to Joel. He fakes and now shoots a fadeaway three. It's good. A remarkable triple. Joel Embiid puts it up and in. It's Joel. He turns. He fires for three. It's, a, it's good. Embiid. He makes his shot. And his sixes take the lead. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Greatest old school team songs we've ever found. It's so good. Cheese Fest. And there's like multiple verses. It goes forever. You know, Philly's mostly happy right now. All right, the Flyers, I mean, you know, that was kind of dead and buried. Which, by the way, think back. That's another one of those games you look back at. That could be qualified as one of the worst losses in franchise history. Sure. Losing to the Devils was a disaster at the beginning of the week. And now we got this whole confusion. Uh, this Leonard, Robin Leonard thing is really blown up. Reports from ESPN. He's out for the season. Season-ending surgery. Knee injury suffered back on March 8th. And DeBoer responded by saying, not to my knowledge. Should be here tomorrow. Could be in the mix to play on Sunday. As far as I know, he's in uniform Sunday. What? Nobody's told me anything. And then there was this comment after the game. Uh, this is after he pulled him when he mentions that he's fresh and healthy. Well, the decision to start him, um, we pay him, pay him to start games like this. It's the most important time of the year. Uh, he's healthy. He's fresh. Uh, he's got uh, a lot of energy, and you know we need him. Yeah, we need him. Fresh, healthy, healthy, fresh. I don't know what's going on here. I don't either. I mean, that's why it's it's tough to really blame anybody or point fingers at anybody or get to the bottom of what is actually going on when every side has – well, first of all, every side has their reasons to be doing what they're doing. Everybody's trying to protect their job. That's one thing. Yeah. Um, But it's been weird. Now, if you – again, if you watch and just observe what's happening – Robin Leonard has looked hurt for a long time. Looks like he's playing hurt. That's pretty clear to watch. It was really, really weird that Pete DeBoer pulled him in a 1-1 game and then said he's he's healthy. Why? Why would you point that out? It seems like that was an effort to send some kind of message. Leonard has been in denial publicly that there's any sort of injury, like to the point of being outraged that people would say he's injured. The crazy thing is they still can make the playoffs. They control their own destiny, but you have to think. I mean, I guess that might save everyone in the situation, but the five main players in this thing, Leonard, DeBoer, McCrimmon, McPhee, Foley, there's going to be some change. You would think if they don't make the playoffs, 
in that group of five. And I can tell you the one guy is not who's not changing. That's Foley. Right. So for sure. He ain't gonna fire himself. I will de own the team. <laughs> it's not going to happen. No. And there, there, and there, so there's been crazy drama with Leonard and DeBoer and then whatever's coming down from upstairs and, you know, going upstairs. You know what I'm saying? Calls back and forth. I mean, do we, is this like a Nick Casario? That's kind of a deep reference. Supposedly the Texans GM is a lunatic and was on the phone last year at whatever, whatever communication device with David Cully in game, which to me is like, I'm not talking to you right now during the game while I'm trying to coach. This whole VGK thing is crazy. We'll get back to it in the grab bag towards the end of the show. But up next, let's break down the draft a little more with the uh, longtime star on ESPN TV and ESPN Radio, Trey Wingo, who's now working with Caesars. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too long, too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. He was trying to straighten out his face mask. And the coach said, all right, you're Tom out. Red, Tom Tom Red. we got to get him out. Tom Brady has been put into quarterback and Drew Bledsoe taken out. That's a good lesson that I tell all these young players. I'm listening here. I don't give a shit if you're a first-round pick. I was 199. But listen, if you get a chance to be on the field, don't mess it up. Yeah, earn it. Because you, you may never get a second one. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Uh, studio. One of the great picks in NFL draft history, Tom Brady. Steve Cofield, Adam Hill. Let's get into the draft. We'll talk a little betting on the draft along with uh, draft days past. Trey Wingo is up. He's working with Caesars and William Hill now. And it's nice enough to uh, join Cofield and company. How are you, sir? Uh, great, buddy. How are you? Pretty, pretty good. I am fired up for the draft. But, you know, we've been asking a lot of people get fired up. Is it a great draft if you don't have the glamour quarterbacks in a draft? Yeah, you can. I mean, look, this is not going to be the draft that we've had in the past, right? Six of the past seven years of draft, uh, QB has gone number one. So it's going to be seven of the last eight years that uh, a draft pick uh, quarterback won't go number one overall in the draft. But this draft is not top-heavy, but it's very deep because of the last two for lack of a better term, COVID years that we've, we've been in with college football and players staying behind to get that extra year, it's a deeper draft than people can possibly imagine. Now, there's not going to be a bunch of pro bowlers and all pro guys that go early and often, but you're going to get a lot of, for lack of a better term, glue guys in the draft, guys that will contribute and help your team in a bunch of different ways. It's a really good year to have a bunch of draft picks, and that's why Kansas City – sitting with 12 draft picks in this draft, the most overall going into next week, uh, are in really, really good position to basically control this draft and dictate where this draft goes. Yeah, I love your take on Kansas City because when we saw reports come out earlier in the week from uh, Rappaport that the team's interested in Debo Samuel, where the Chiefs, the yeah. Packers, the Jets, and the Lions, I'm like, the Chiefs are not trading these picks. They need to build depth in their organization. They need cheaper players. <clears throat> yeah. What they're going to do, like, they probably don't have seven or maybe eight roster spots available, right? That's just because of the way they're built and, and the things that they've done in the last couple of years. So with not, and it's important to note, they're one of two teams with, excuse me, they're one of eight teams with two picks in the first round. But they're the only team with two picks in the first round, two picks in the second round, two picks in the third round, and two picks in the fourth round. And they have three picks in the top 50. Whatever the Chiefs want to do, 
they will be able to do better than any other team. They will dictate this draft in a way that most people don't understand because they have the volume of picks in the rounds where people want the most volume of picks to select the players they want. There's no way I expect them to use all 12 picks in this draft. I think they're going to manipulate that and package picks to get five, maybe six, potentially seven picks that they really want. Is Would Jamison Williams be that perfect fit for them? He might be. Like, you know, It's interesting, right? The, the Chiefs have gone through a, a philosophical difference. Uh, start, it really started last year. Uh, they wanted to get bigger uh, in terms of how they handle things. You know, the kid they picked up uh, halfway through the year, Jarek McKinnon, the running back, was really one of their best players uh, in their postseason run. And what they've done with Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Gantling is they've gotten bigger. Look, in, in a perfect scenario, we all understand that they would love to have Tyreek Hill. But after the Devontae Adams deal that the Raiders gave to bring him over from Green Bay, uh, the, Pack, uh, the Packers got a one and a two in that situation. The Chiefs were in contract talks with a, uh, to have a contract extension for Tyreek at that point to create cap space. But as soon as the Devontae Adams deal got done and they saw the numbers that Devontae Adams was getting, Tyreek's people said, hold on a minute. And then the Chiefs had three choices. One, we can bankrupt ourselves to make sure Tyreek remains a Chief. Two, we cannot pay him and understand that he's probably going to be a disgruntled player going through this 2022 season, and we'll figure everything out going forward, or three, we can maximize his value. And they opted on the latter. And honestly, I think it was the best decision for them. And I want to be clear. No one's saying the Chiefs are better without Tyreek Hill. He's the Steph Curry, for lack of a better term, of the NFL. He has unlimited range he can hit from anywhere. But they decided, instead of paying $72 million guaranteed to a 29-year-old wide receiver, they're going to maximize his value. And the Raiders gave up a one and a two for Devontae Adams. The Chiefs got a one and a two, two-fourths, and a sixth-rounder for Tyreek Hill, which sets them up for long-term success in rebuilding that roster. Will they have less of the quick strike ability that they've had over the last couple of years? Yes. But I think with the things they're going to do and the things they've done already, they're going to have a litany of weapons that will help mitigate that lack of a long-term strike. Great, great stuff there from Trey Wingo. And I uh, want to get into some of the, the draft betting options that are out there. And, of course, Trey is in that world now with uh, Caesars and William Hill. And I, I want to ask your, your opinion of how really sharp the market is and what it can tell us. We know Aiden Hutchinson was as high as like a $3 favorite to go number one. He's down to 170 right. Seems to be some really sharp money on Trayvon Walker. What does that tell us? And, and do you buy into this movement? I do because I think this is the first draft since, I don't know, I want to say 2013 that we're not sure who the number yeah. one pick's going to be. Now, there was a lot of question marks about 2018, but I think a couple of days before the draft, uh, the news came out that the Cleveland Browns were going to go with Baker Mayfield. So going into the 2013 draft, and that's going to always be the tackle draft, right? Three of the first four picks <laughs> in that draft were offensive linemen, uh, you know, Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel, and Lane Johnson. Uh, this is going to be an edge rusher offensive tackle draft when it's all said and done. Look, I don't think it's going to happen, but there's a possibility that this could be the first draft ever, and I mean ever since they started doing this in 1936, that no single pick in the top ten is going to be someone that touches the ball, quarterback, wide receiver, running
Uh, I think the Carolina Panthers at six may gamble on a quarterback, and there may be one or two teams of the eight, by the way, eight teams with multiple first-round picks, which has never happened before. The most we ever had is six, and we'll see what happens uh, leading up to the draft on Thursday night, whether or not all eight teams will make those two selections. Um, there, there could be a team that uses their, their multiple first-round picks to find and, and hone in on one wide receiver, let's say, more than any other position. That might change that, but it's still a great uncertainty. This is going to be a really horrible year for mock drafts. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, think about it. Last year, oh, Trevor Lawrence is going number one. The year before, of course, Joe Burrow is going number one. 2019, we knew Kyler Murray was going number one. 2018, Baker Mayfield a few days before the draft. 2017, it was going to be Miles here. 2016, we knew it was Jared Goff. 2015, we knew it was Jameis Winston. You know, 2014, we knew it was James, uh, Jadavion Clowney. There is still a lot of uncertainty, as you guys just yeah. mentioned, between Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker about who goes number one overall. This is going to be a carnage for mock drafters this year. If they get five right, it'll be a miracle. Yeah, uh, trust me, as somebody who has to do it every week as uh, covering the Raiders, it's been, <laughs> it's been brutal, and I'm ready for the embarrassment. But uh, from a betting perspective, when you're getting ready for this draft, I mean, obviously don't just buy into the mock drafts. As you're saying, they're going to be kind of a mess. You have to try to find value. You have to find edges. But also be a little bit careful because from what I understand, and I'll see if you've heard the same, like two through six, everyone is trying to get out. So whatever you think yeah. a team might need, it might not be that team picking in that spot. Well, no, you're right. And that's the point I was making. They're all trying to get out of two through six because they know it's a deep draft and they'd rather get a couple of picks later on in this draft and then use all their capital on, on one in that two through six slot. So you're 100% right on that. Um, like, for example... The over-under for quarterbacks this year, Malik Willis out of Liberty is at 9.5 in terms of where he'll be taken. Kenny Pickett, I think, is at 10.5, and and then Desmond Ritter uh, out of Cincinnati is at 30.5. Keep in mind, we've only had one year uh, recently where there wasn't at least one quarterback taken in the first three picks, and and that was uh, 2013 where E.J. Manuel went 16th overall to the Buffalo Bills. And that worked out so well that he's now working for ESPN as the SEC <laughs> network, uh, the ACC right, analyst. Right, right. Um, you know, and, and we've had uh, a quarterback go at least in the top three picks in, in, uh, six, uh, in six straight drafts, which is the longest streak uh, in NFL draft history. This is going to be a different draft in, in all those ways. It's the worst draft ever to want and need a quarterback. Like last year, obviously, was great. The year before that was great. Next year, the quarterbacks are going to be great. This is literally the worst year to go into this draft needing a quarterback. Carolina is in a lot of trouble. Are they going to overdraft for someone? Or can Matt Rule convince his owner, David Tepper, that, look, we, we need one more year and then we'll get our guy? That's a hard sell after what they've done with the quarterback position with Teddy Bridgewater and then Sam Darnold and bringing back Cam Newton and going back and forth between all of these quarterbacks. It's the, the worst position to be in is needing a quarterback when you need a quarterback. You want to have, you want to make sure you take care of that before you need one, and that's where the Carolina Panthers are. Or on Friday, do we wake up and the Panthers have an offensive tackle, but they also have Baker Mayfield? Correct, right? And, and, and honestly, what does that mean, be going forward, right? Literally, like, I love Baker, and I think he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a good quarterback, and he's, he's been through some stuff, but there's nothing about his career so far and, and this sounds crazy because he set the rookie record for most touchdown passes, surpassing Peyton Manning. Um, that makes you think, yep, he's the answer long term. 
Like you can be slow or short, but slow and short <laughs> is a very tough combination to overcome in the NFL. Trey Wingo is up on Cofield and Company. So what do you got cooking for coverage next week? Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm getting in Monday. I'm really excited about it. Uh, we're going to be holding the NFL uh, Draft Theater uh, behind the link uh, and uh, near near Caesars. We're really excited about that. I'll be doing a bunch of draft journey stories with a lot of the Hall of Famers and, and uh, very prominent NFL players. We'll be taking over the Caesars sports uh, and all the Caesars uh, yeah, social feeds uh, leading into Thursday night. Um, it, it's just, look, I, 2020, we were supposed to be there. It was all set up, and then COVID hit. This is a, this is a mulligan, a makeover, a do-good. And we're, we could not be more excited about it. We're expecting 650,000 people to be on the strip for the NFL draft. It's going gonna, it's gonna to very much resemble what we saw in 2019 when we had all those people in downtown Nashville. And the, the electricity in the air is going to be fantastic, and I cannot wait to be back and be a part of it. Uh, and I, I don't think I'm leaving uh, from the time I get there, like Wednesday morning <laughs> until you're, until you're, Sunday. You're trapped on the strip. Uh, yeah, yeah, we trapped on the strip. Hydrate, hydrate, brother, hydrate. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I am interested though. Who are you most fired up for? Weezer, Cube, or Marshmallow? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Weezer, say it. Weezer. It's Cube. Come on. Yeah. No, it's Weezer. It's Weezer. Okay. Weezer, Weezer did Weezer. a good cover of uh, of Africa. Hey, I want to bet wide receivers uh, and using the numbers from Caesars and William Hill. Uh, Garrett Wilson's minus one fifty. This is first wide receiver drafted. Drake London's plus one sixty. Burks is ten to one. I know you talked to Traylon Burks, and by the way, Jamison Williams is yeah. three to one. Yeah, but it, look, if Jamison Williams doesn't uh, doesn't have that injury, like he's way higher, right? Yeah. Um, you, you just have to factor in where when you think he's going to be ready and. The whole thing about the science and the medication and the way things are going is that it's getting a lot better. Uh, I, I wouldn't, Jamison Williams at 3 1, um, I, I like those odds. I like those chances because someone's going to take it. Someone's going to take a flyer on this guy. Well, what have we seen the last couple of years out of the draft, right? Justin Jefferson absolutely smokes it from the, for the Vikings out of LSU. The very next year, Jamar Chase sets every single rookie record you can imagine. Um, I, the way the NFL is played, and refereed, it's so much different than it was even five, ten years ago. And I think wide receivers are, are much more likely to have early success now than they were, again, less than half a decade ago because of the way the game is played. So wide receivers, I think, are going to go early and often in this draft. I have to imagine if you like, uh, like Jameson Williams at 3-1, to one, you'll love my plus $7 that I got on him already. Huge. Yeah. Really? Huge. Oh, yeah. Very early Huge. in the process. I'll take it, hopefully. Trey, we appreciate the time. We know you have a busy schedule, so thank you so much. No, anytime, guys. Really looking forward to uh, getting out there. I'll be out there Monday. I'll be out there for the entire process. So if you need me again, just let me know. Awesome. We'll see you. There he is. Longtime TV star with ESPN, also ESPN Radio, doing the morning show, Trey Wingo. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. So we played that Sixers song a couple of minutes ago. We just played it again. Yeah, can, we, can we clip it up and play it again here in a couple of minutes? Um, no. One, uh, two, three, four, you, five, sixers. In general, do you like Philly or you don't like Philly? 
as a city, as a sports fan group. I mean, I spend way too much time there. Um, kind of middle middle of the road on them. You don't hate them, but yeah, I don't. I don't hate it. I don't like. I almost feel like they want you to hate them, right? So I think so, it's more insulting to just be like, yeah, I don't care either way, right? That is good. <laughs> yeah, it's like the soft handshake. Sure. Because I remember you going crazy about the uh, the Smarty Jones stuff. Oh, they love that horse. Yeah. Because they, I mean, it pains. Never mind. I'll get to it. Uh, yeah, they they love him and they love Rocky. That's their two most beloved athletes. Uh, and by the way, on the soft handshake thing, I was at a, an event last week where there was somebody just just destroying everyone's hands, yeah. and I was like, I thought we said, I thought we. How had are you this doing with one this? thing? How are you doing with this? I'm trying to get everybody with the fist bump. How are you doing with it? Not great. I'm 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 awful. Enough. Awful. It was the one good thing that was supposed to come out of the I, pandemic. I, no more handshakes. We both ever. said it. We both said it that we would be disciplined, and we would only fist bump. I don't know who I did it to the other day. I did the freaking mixed bump hand. Uh, uh, the bump got squeezed. I opened it. Then then that person. I'm like, what are we doing? All I'm doing is shaking hands lately. It's, it's I, so you and football practice yesterday. I'm out there. I I, I shook like eight hands, and oh. then afterwards, I'm in the car, and I'm like, eh. I looked at my right hand, like, eh, what are you doing? It's it's the and by the way, list. it's vice versa. You don't know where my hands have been. Yeah, true. Don't shake my hands. Anyway, that was an elaborate setup about your love or dislove or dislike of Philly. Um, I don't like New England fans. I don't like the Patriots. But you sent something over today, and I'm like, bingo, nailed it. <laughs> That's... Are the Patriots going back to the pissed off Patriot snapping the ball? Oh yeah, Pat the Patriot. I that is a good logo. We think they are. A player yesterday had the helmet in the locker room on his Instagram story. Yeah, and it looked like they were getting ready to wear it this year. There's a new rule, like even with their throwback jerseys, the NFL has had the rule you can only wear one helmet all year, but it it has changed now. You can wear a second helmet. It would have to make sense that they what do that. What a stupid, stupid change by the Patriots to change their colors on their helmet. It's probably, that, what, 30 years ago now? That streaking Patriots yeah, head I hate thing? It. I mean, I hate them anyway, but when you think about it, like if if you want to be all patriotic, you have the right colors, and then you've got just, just angry, like you roided up, sleek 260-pound ass-kicking center getting ready to snap the ball. Well, that's, that's In his part Paul Revere garb. That's the part I don't like about it is that, first of all, if you're going to choose a position to feature on the logo, why is the Patriot playing center? But also, I, I actually kind of like who, also, who, who else picks the center. Right, but his stance is terrible. He's like, very he's high. straight up. He's very high. So if you're going to be center, commit to it. So you want a crouched over center looking up? No, I want like a slot receiver. Just slot like on the line, like <laughs> looking in for the, for the snap of the ball. Who will nice. go with an alternate helmet with a punter? Like the Raiders just, should just best punting player. and looking sideways, like yeah, but mad because your logo always has to be angry. That's got to be like a XFL. And, and by the way, that's why the new doll, the Dolphins used to have a pissed off dolphin because the helmet was so small. The Dolphins was like ah. <laughs> now the now the, the new dolphin logos it's all smiling. Feel, yes. I'll punch that. I'll go Mike Tyson on the dolphin now. We need more angry logos. Care? We need more angry logos. We need Pat Patriot to play a different position than center. Or or get a better stance. You one or the other. Maybe like a safety coming over the middle, making a tackle. We had five minutes to close and we just got the one minute sign. What the hell just happened?
Could you? Oh, we, okay. we went to we. How we spent a, that much? We spent that much time on logos and kite helmets. How about a Pat Patriot as like a safety, laying out like a, a receiver in a red coat, with, with like separating him from the ball? Seems complicated. I would love that logo. It seems very complicated. Sure. Thanks to all our guests, especially our 5 o'clock hour guest, Trey Wingo, for jumping in. Reminder again, UNLV football spring game, spring showcase tomorrow. Free to get into Allegiant, 5 o'clock start.